Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. Uh, it's episode 79. Uh, we're approaching uh, 80. Wow, crazy, crazy. Uh, Misha Mansour, how are you, man? Thanks for joining. Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. No That's awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, appreciate you joining the show. Uh, I hope everybody's doing good on a Friday night. Um, it's been a good week for me. So uh, it's weekend. So what, you got a lot of a lot of gear there, Misha. Yeah. Uh, I have a little bit. I feel like you guys are not showing your full hand right now. <laughs> well, yeah, Dave, yeah. I mean, that, that, that can't be all that Dave has. That's just far. that's 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 totally just him pretending like he doesn't have like three hundred amps in the next room. You know, uh, yeah, I have a bit of a gear problem. Um, Mark, when you and I were testing the the connection earlier, we uh, we were kind of talking about that because yeah. it seems like you've got quite the collection as well. So I, I, at least I feel like I'm in good company. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, like I'm going to have to explain this. Um, you know? <laughs> do you, do you yeah, find yeah. you have to, to make excuses? You have you have some canned uh, responses. It's like, you know, like, do you actually play all of that? It's like, well, you know. <laughs> Not necessarily. I try. <laughs> but, the, problem uh, with, the problem with my gear is it's screwing out all over the place. I mean, right? it's at, I'm at home right now, but it, but uh, I have some things at home, especially after COVID started. A lot of stuff came home. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's still a ton at the shop. And, and, you know, there's drawers of pedals and drawers of crap and stuff I really don't even need. <laughs> Uh, like, like I tell everybody, we are in the industry of wants, not needs, uh, and, and we live by that. My uh, this this is not uh, just sort of relegated to this area. It does continue on, unfortunately. Um, I would expect nothing less. Really. Yeah, I am trying to downsize though because oh, someone's saying uh, Dave's mic isn't working, but I can hear it in the in the chat. Yeah. I can hear. No, it. I hear. Seems good. Seems good. Dave's mic is working. Unless unless they're just trolling, I don't know. Well, oh, no, I, oh, you just hear his computer mic. That's what they're saying. Oh, yeah, I think right. I I think yeah, Dave. I, I was going to say I think I just hear your computer mic, not the mic you're talking into. It, it oh, might, really? Yeah. Oh, hold on a minute. Okay. I might have left that. Yeah. Okay. Let's we'll see if we don't lose me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there we go. You're right. Uh, dead air. How about now? Oh, there you go. Wow. Is that better? Is that a little richer voice? I love it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There's the SM7 coming out. Yeah, that's that's what we want to hear. Yeah. The last show I went to, we went to start the show, and for some reason, nothing. Mike wasn't working, wasn't connecting. It says it was connected, but wasn't connected. I could see it on my interface, but it wasn't connected to the, you know, software. I'm like, oh, screw this. You know, just go to the, the computer one right now and figure so it what, out later. And basically all I had to do was turn everything off and on again. Yeah, that's a, that's the solution. If someone could figure out like a one button solution to this, they would be a billionaire tomorrow. Yeah. Because you set well, all this it, stuff up and then it, do, it just inexplicably doesn't work the next day. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then you, you you turn it off and on again, everything works. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. great. <laughs> don't you hate that? Like when like the solution to a problem is something you don't understand. You're like, well, I got it working. I don't know why I got it working. 
So I just hope it doesn't happen again. At least when you <laughs> fix it, you're like, okay, so I'll just remember next time to do this X, Y, and Z, and I'll never have this problem again. But when it just magically works from like turning off and on, you're just like, uh, okay, I guess this works. Let's hope it doesn't break again. Um, right. And with all this stuff and all this crap I have hooked up here, that happens to me a lot. So I, I feel bet. your pain. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it takes any, anything to do with software and computers is going to give you grief. Yep. Without a doubt. If, it, if it's like an analog connection and probably not going to give you grief, but still your damn interface is still connected digitally. So, yeah, <laughs> well, overall, it's a good thing. So not going to complain because we can do this. Right. Exactly. Thank, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Imagine going through the pandemic when they're, you know, like if you say like mid 80s. Yeah, so just everyone would no be really cell phones. <laughs> No cell phones, really. No, um, no internet. No internet, really. I mean, you know. No, just phone companies of, would like jacked up the bills and made a ton of money. I mean, you know, you don't, wouldn't even have really access to much information other than your local news. <laughs> everyone would just be playing in front of their TV looking for a connection. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing all right. Or maybe, maybe that would be better. Ah. Uh, that's a deep one. I don't no, know if you guys know, saw that. Would be uh, better, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't see everything. No, yeah. I mean, have you guys seen that uh, that social dilemma? Uh, I have to. Movie? I have to watch it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, it's on Netflix. It's like trending on Netflix, which I think is kind of ironic. Oh, but, I haven't yet. Uh, no, but it's good. I mean, it's, it's probably all the stuff you already know, but then it shows you sort of how insidious it is, and sort of how it was like engineered to be as addictive as possible. So. It, it's like a level further than, than what everyone sort of assumes that it was this sort of benign thing that like evolved to what it is. And it's just out of control. And we're just oh, basically God. all addicts. So yeah, it's, it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you may be, you may be more right than you realize, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'd be better. <laughs> it would be better. There's no doubt about it. Uh, well, at least from a point of living in that, I mean, Misha, you're, you're much younger than, Dave and I, I think. Um, so you weren't around like in the eight, early eighties. You you weren't. I was born. I was born in eighty four. So not really. Okay. Okay. No. No. Yeah. No actual memory of that. <laughs> eighty four is a bit of a blur. If you catch my drift. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, but I, you know, we lived pre-internet. That whole thing. I was going to say, you know, maybe we'd be reading our Encyclopedia Britannica. We had that. We Did had you? that. We had an Encyclopedia Britannica. Man, I feel like that was like a mainstay of knowledge back before the internet. That's how you it found was. things out, right? That's how that, you report. I got to. I got to be the generation that like sort of like was growing up as the internet became a thing. Like I, I remember being about like ten years old and like you know. People talk about this uh, information super highway. Like, I'm like, what is what? That's wild. Like, what is that? My dad was like getting electronic mail for work, and I'm like, what? That, what? What is that? Like, what does that mean? You know? Right. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, he'd be he'd be taking his laptop from work, like the big box of a thing, you know, and working and like communicating. So I got to see all of that happen. Uh, and and the transition, you know, now, like kids growing up nowadays, they, they have like cell phones. Like that that blows my mind. Right. Imagine, yeah. You know, imagine having a. I don't know how G-rated we're supposed to keep this. Are we supposed to keep this kind of? Pleasant? There is no real. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because no. I'm just like, man. Like, 
porn the discovery of porn was a thing growing up right but now you every kid would just have access to it on their phone i'm like is that good or bad i don't know if that's a good thing you know yeah it's scary as a parent it's a scary thing i i can only imagine and actually that 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 documentary says like like a lot of these people who are on the inside of actually engineering this stuff were like you know we also recognize that we're addicts of our own product so they're basically like doing their own product right but they're like some of them have a strict like no phone social media till you're 16 kind of deal with the idea being that like maybe at that point you're sort of able to make your own calls on stuff before that it's so easy to be manipulated you're right. not really like settled in any state you're developing still so i i kind of firmly believe that that's that's probably a smart thing at least 16 maybe 18 but like you know like Good once life. you're an adult and it's you can hard, kind of own your own place and have your own life and have a social security number and like you know have your own sort of entity. Maybe at that point, it makes sense to have social media. But before that, it's like, it, I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of dangerous. And like, I'm not, I'm not a parent, but as I'm, I'm an uncle, and even there, I'm just like, yeah, like at least sixteen before my niece and nephew get on that stuff. I already see how like the iPad like just owns their attention. They oh, will you, forego you, food to have more time with the iPad. You know? Oh. I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you said it. I have a nine-year-old son. So, um, yeah. yeah, his... I, 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 I approach it a little bit differently, I think. I mean, I think um, trying to limit or stop people from doing things is always, especially when kids go, is always a bad thing. Right. So, it, at... at, at I've had I have older daughters too, much older daughters. But and uh, you know, with them growing up, it was always just like, "All right, you can go do what you want. I'll give you a big leash." You know, that's probably the smart way to do it. Yeah, it's like you're yeah. kind of educating them, but you're not saying because saying no is the worst thing you could do. Oh, because right. they're gonna do the exact of course they what you what you say no oh he of says course. no oh no uh, what do you mean? no i'm, I'm gonna, gonna do it just to rebel <laughs> i don't even want to do this but i'm gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> instead you hear about things that they did because they're willing to tell you which is good exactly um they're willing to tell you which is good but then sometimes you're like i didn't hear that i don't want right. to know <laughs> don't tell me right, right that's true. i'd rather just be you know like you know head in the sand not know right. <laughs> I, I i'm sure I'm you sure. did what <laughs> what do you mean you broke into a church what? <laughs> <laughs> so if i don't know about this i have plausible yeah. deniability yeah. so <laughs> or, or the best part is when or, or the best part is when the cops bring them home and you're like, wow. oh, what did they do? Oh, what is it now? <laughs> you know, what did they do? My oldest daughter, that happened four times. What? Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, well, curfew. Wild curfew tickets. Just oh, okay. bullshit curfew, curfew tickets. Uh, and, and what I mean is, is, like, if you're out, you know, in the area that we were living at the time, <clears throat> If you were out after 10 and you were under the age of, I don't remember what age that is, uh, 10, like in a, a minute after 10, if you're sitting on the curb in front of your friend's house doing nothing, they could bring you in. Oh, okay. So that, and the, here's the what that means. Here's there. what that means to you. That means you get to go to court. You get to sit there all fuck, all day, all long, all day long. And then you get scolded by not even a real judge. And then, 
you get to pay four hundred dollars for the curfew ticket. Oh my god. <laughs> This is this is the side you don't hear about. I had no idea. So, <laughs> huh? This is still in existence. Yeah, I haven't even heard of anything. Yeah, yeah, I've, and I did. I didn't have anything like that growing up. I didn't have like. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, like so this was in. Curfew. This was in. This is LA. Technically, LA County. Oh, really? Jeez. Still in existence, but uh, it's not enforced everywhere. So, where we were living at the time was Santa Clarita, California. So Valencia, you know, area. And I mean, there they enforced it. The sheriffs, you know, there's lots of kids there. It's a lot of big, you know, community of, you know, right, suburbia. Quiet. And, uh, you know, they enforced it. I guess they got nothing better to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, can't, I, I looked at it this. Can I just pay? Do I have to sit here all day? Can I just right? pay? Let's just, let's just skip to the part where I give you $400 and you don't waste my time. Yeah, just, yeah. Because it would be <laughs> a lot better than me wasting a day because I make, right. you know, I make money during the day. And, yeah, you know. Exactly. I, uh, yeah. It's uh, kind of we got a super chat, by the way, uh, from Rick Hyrothenian. Thanks for the super chat, man. Uh, you didn't, yeah, he was, didn't have a Johnny question. Early. He was way early. Um, Johnny Early. Thanks for supporting the channel. We appreciate it. Yeah. So I guess we should get to like music things. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah. So guitar. Yeah. We'll so, the guitar. So so I, you know, don't know anything about your background or how you came up or how you started everything you're doing now. All right. Uh, so I'd love like a quick rundown of 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 hearing that. Like where did you grow up? And so yeah, I was born into this crazy okay. business. I was born in Washington, D.C. Uh, my parents are not musical at all. My dad's tone deaf. He doesn't even listen to music. Um, and <laughs> my mom, like, forced me to take, like, piano lessons when I was young. I guess I, I sort of exhibited some uh, some musical inclinations or whatever. I think I was at a friend's house. And I was, like, playing their piano. I figured out, like, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, like, when I was, like, three or four or something. I said, so she was like, oh, we should get him piano lessons. Uh Funny enough, all I ever remember wanting to play was guitar and drums. But, you know, my mom wanted me to learn piano. And I think, like, for her, she she wanted to learn an instrument when she was younger. But, her, you know, her family was pretty poor, so she never had the opportunity. So she was sort of vicariously living through me. Uh, and so she pushed it hard, and I really resented that because it was sort of this transactional thing. It was like... Oh, you want to watch 30 minutes of TV? You've got to play 30 minutes of piano or practice 30 minutes of piano or whatever. So that'll teach you to resent an instrument. And she's always like, you'll thank me someday. But she wasn't entirely wrong because now I can at least find my way around a piano. I'm not good and I haven't remembered most of the stuff that, that I learned. But, you know, that was probably my start. I'm the oldest, so I didn't have like an older brother or sister or anything to show me music. So for the longest time, I didn't really, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of like modern music. I was just listening to whatever my parents or my mom really was putting on, which I didn't care for that much. Uh, and Michael Jackson, which I loved, you know. And then uh, uh, we we had a friend from Australia come and visit, and he was a little bit older. And he, you know, you remember like those CD binders? I'm yeah. sure you, you remember how like that was your music collection you had mm -hmm. in your. So he traveled with that and he was showing me some of that stuff. And um, it's interesting. Like I didn't have the words to, to describe that I wanted to hear something kind of heavy. So I was just like, 
you know, what do you have that's loud, you know? And he's like, oh, I've got ACDC, you know, they're the loudest band ever. And he showed me like Nirvana and stuff like that. And like, I remember being like, ooh, Nirvana, like this is, this is sick. So that sort of opened, that was like the gateway drug that opened all that stuff, you know, to, to bands like, you know, The Offspring, Green Day and stuff like that. And then I had a friend in uh, in middle school who showed me like Corn and Slipknot and stuff like that. So I got into the, the heavier stuff. So it was kind of a late start, and that was around the time. So I'm 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 actually Jewish, and uh, and I had a bar mitzvah. So when I was like 13, uh, the the only good thing about having a bar mitzvah, in my opinion, because I kind of ditched it after that, was that they, you get some money, you know. So I spent that on a, a guitar and a drum set. So that was the, the good thing, like all the all the the synagogue time, which uh, we spent a lot of time in the synagogue. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like uh, you know. Um, and the good thing is once you're uh once you're once you had your bar mitzvah, like you're a man, you know? So, so I can be like, Yep, I'm done. <laughs> you're supposed to use it on books or whatever, you know, study the Torah or whatever. And I just got a, a guitar and a drum set and like then it was like sort of off to the races. Mm. I actually started on drums. Um and you know, I had like some some bullshit like high school quote unquote band where which was really just like friends coming over. When you're the drummer, you have the the distinct advantage of people mainly like guitarists bringing really heavy amps over to your place which they don't want to lug around so they're just like uh yeah do you mind if i just leave it here i'm like sure so then all of a sudden i had guitars and uh he had a seven string guitar like like the the guitarist i played with uh in high school he had a seven string guitar so that was like my exposure i was like oh this goes lower that's awesome and I had all this guitar gear and even had like a little four track recorder and that would stay there. So I would just, you know, in my free time, just kind of mess with that stuff. And that's where um, that's where I started to just sort of think about music a little bit different. Like, oh, I can like, make my own music. That's kind of cool. Um, and what it was you always- to then? Sorry. What were you listening to like around this time? Around that time, I was like super obsessed with like Deftones and Tool, and and I think I was getting into Slipknot. You know, I was still like thirteen or fourteen at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, Love the Deftones. Yeah, and and to the to this day, they're one of those bands. Like I'd say, like to be fair, like a lot of those bands that that I liked around that time, a lot of the new metal stuff hasn't really like carried over. Like I appreciate it, but I don't listen to it anymore. But Deftones is the, is like one of those exceptions where it's like, still love those old records as much. Still one of my favorite bands of all time. Like they, they were always something else. They just kind of got grouped in. So they were a very big influence. And then, you know, I remember I had a friend uh, who was super into like dream theater and Steve Vai and guys like that. And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so that's when I started to focus a bit more on the guitar. Cause I was more drums before that. And I was also going off to, um, to college and it's kind of tough to play drums there. So I was like, all right, if I'm going to focus my musical energy, I'll do it on an instrument. I can actually practice. So that's when I started to basically just try to become John Petrucci um, to the best of my ability. It failed miserably, but at least I got some chops out of it. <laughs> you know, it'll force you <laughs> trying to learn as many. I figured if I learned every riff and solo I possibly could, I might become him. And that was the, the, the honest to God goal. But like, you know, um, I learned I learned relatively quickly that that wouldn't happen. Uh, but you know that was super influential band. And then I got into bands like Meshuggah that really changed a lot for me. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, and incidentally, a lot of these bands will tune down a little bit lower, like Meshuggah, especially like they were rocking seven strings and eventually eight strings at the time. So it's just kind of these uh, sonically experimental bands where they're kind of 
really sort of like pushing guitar tone and trying to see like what they could get out of out of the guitar uh and, and i found that really fascinating and i was trying to sort of recreate that with my minimal setup i didn't really have a whole lot i was working with at the time mm-hmm. uh and i started to get into recording because i found out that my gaming computer had inputs i could plug my guitar in and they were starting to have like drum software that you could program your own drum show and they sounded kind of realistic and i had a little behringer v amp which modeled amps you know and it's like it didn't sound great but it's what i could afford and I, I could plug that in and record guitars and learn to double track and all that and now i could record an entire song like conceptually without bothering a single other person on the planet you know and i was like i could do this at any hour i could do it on headphones and i could do it on my own schedule you know and that was that was just that was opening Pandora's box right there. And it all sort of just flooded from there. So that's basically, you know, the, 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 the very beginnings of, of how I got into music. It was sort of by accident, but very much just this, this adventure. It was like, Whoa, like you can do this, you can do this and you can do it by yourself. Like that's amazing. Right. That is cool. Yeah. That's that is the, uh, the, one of the biggest changes, I guess, with the technology is that people, are able to do this at home and record and you know it's awesome so like what kind of gear were you using back then uh to like guitars and stuff to play um i had this really uh well i had i had a, a les paul gary moore that mm-hmm. that um so my buddy bought it and i think it was a two thousand dollar guitar and then he had to sell it and he's like i'll sell it to you for a thousand and i had no money and my my dad's an economist and like i mean we were especially growing up we were never like that we we weren't like poor but we were never like that well off so it's not the kind of thing where he could just buy me that but even if he could he would never do such a thing so he was like okay that's a good deal i'll loan you the money uh and this was like right at the end of the school year so he's like i'll loan you the money but you're gonna work all summer and you're gonna pay me back if you don't pay me back, we're selling the guitar. And he would a thousand percent have sold the guitar. Because like, like, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, this is not one of those things. Like, you know, I went to a school where like, like, like a lot of rich kids who are getting like, you know, cars for their 16th birthday or like nice, you know, they just get whatever they wanted. And he was just making it very clear. Like, that is not how this is going to work. Don't think that like you're going to get the guitar and then you can be lazy and then you'll just keep it anyways. It's like, no, this, this is getting sold. <laughs> so you better work. And so I worked all summer and it felt good to like work. You know, it was a shitty job, like scooping ice cream at, at Haagen-Dazs for like a summer, like, you know, but it, but it was good. It builds character. I think it's important to work some sort of job in the service industry just to, just to get that experience a little bit and give some perspective. Uh, it'll make me always be super polite and nice to people in the service industry. Cause it's a tough, shitty job um and like some people are so rude so unnecessarily rude and it's just like why would you shit on this person's day like they're all they already have like a job that's very difficult like why would you be mean to them you know so um it, it definitely gave me perspective but it also like whenever it was really tough or frustrating it's like i had the guitar in the back of my mind it's like well i'm working for this guitar and i i'm really grateful like that's how i got that guitar so that guitar meant a lot to me uh, and I also had this like super cheap uh, LTD six string uh, at the time, which I would just sort of like down tune um, to try to approximate like seven string range and stuff like that, you know, uh, or I'd like borrow someone's seven string, you know, if I wanted to mess with that kind of stuff. 
um and i had a behringer vamp and that was about it i was doing bass by like pitch shifting a clean guitar down an octave <laughs> i didn't have a bass and uh and i kind of did that for a while um so <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah i was just working with whatever i had uh you know i'm not proud to say it. i like pirated like some software back then it's the reason i use cubase and it's the reason i'm not as um weird about pirating like I, you know obviously i don't love it and being like a software uh, owner of like a software company you know you don't want people to pirate your stuff but to be fair i i only use cubase because it was the only uh, uh daw that i could pirate <laughs> like that, that phone yeah on a, on a pc right yeah on a pc yeah. so then so, so then, I, yeah i did the same thing yeah 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 and and i'm like boy uh, was that machine loaded with stuff right <laughs> exactly and uh do you, do you guys know mark lewis like uh used to be at audio hammer he's a producer like he engineers some of the best guitar tones uh but he he's such a pro tools like fanatic and he hates cubase users and he maintains to this day that the only reason that anyone even uses cubase is because of this because it was the only one that actually worked it's like just a bunch of pirates you know and i'm like but you know <laughs> yeah it, but cubase editing worked way better than pro tools editing for years the thing you could do i mean for, it took him forever to catch up. <laughs> you know it took him forever to catch up like even like you know clip well, editing MIDI, and, and, MIDI, and, MIDI and, programming and all that you know like it's yeah, so much better in yeah. cubase so yeah. Things like programming drums, which was such an integral part and still is, but like such an integral part of like the writing, like that's the real thing that opened up. I think like I was lucky because I was like starting this right at the convergence of like amp modelers becoming a legitimate thing, like where they sounded halfway decent. Um, uh, drum programming becoming a legitimate thing where it sounded halfway decent and computers like home computers being powerful enough to run this stuff. Mm. so so with my gaming computer i could actually get like program drums recorded guitars you know at at home and right. like that was something that couldn't be done before either because there weren't the drums or there weren't the amp modeling or your computer just wasn't powerful enough it would just get bogged down so right. so it was kind of an interesting time and, and and the timing just worked out quite quite well for me because i i, I sort of used that um and and i remember when i would first post demos like mainly like what people were, were kind of fascinated by was like wait you did this at home like you can do that like i didn't know that you could do that <laughs> so um and i was always happy to to tell them what i was doing and and you know just be open about it because i was like yeah it's so cool like you could do you probably could do this too this is all you need you know right um, that's awesome it's nice to be the uh, the first per person in the group kind of doing that stuff you know? i didn't i didn't even think of it that way i was just like this is like I didn't know that you could do this, and now you can. Here, you guys should probably know this too. You could do it. Right. And a lot of people started doing, it and they were already. I wasn't the first by any means. No, like, I mean first, like of your friends and yeah, stuff. But, like that. Yeah, and then like you know, I was on forums. There, like this is before like you know Facebook was like uh, was before Facebook. It was like as MySpace was like sort of becoming a thing, but wasn't even really that much of a thing yet. Mm -hmm. And like uh, so, like forums were were really big. If you were into anything like kind of niche, like. I was on the seven string forum because yeah, you probably would find like-minded people. I was on the Meshuggah forum and the Petrucci forum and like basically any subject that was kind of niche that you were into. Um, yeah. Gear slot for recording or exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, Ultimate metal, all those, like you could find like-minded people where you could have these conversations. And because it's, it's pretty interesting now. Um, 
now you have access to everybody and there's groups on Facebook and whatever. And and I feel like people are exposed to a lot more stuff, but like metal was a, a lot more uh, underground back then. And like you, you were usually like the metal guy of your group of friends, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. Like I remember like some people would just be like, you know, like, Oh, that's metal Alex or whatever, you know, because like, <laughs> you'd be like that guy. Right. right, right. Like, and that's and So now you got to meet a whole bunch of people who were that guy in their group of friends and you could all talk and be stoked about Mashuga or about Petrucci or dream theater or whatever. And they were all just equally or even more as stoked about it. So like, it was, it was cool. Like, and those forums were, were, were something I joined, uh just just as a fan of those subjects but then i started posting my songs up and it you know people seem to uh react well to that and that was sort of the next phase of like moving the 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 needle forward for the the career because i never really thought there was a serious chance of me having any sort of music career and i never thought anything i was doing was that special um i was even so nervous to post it up because i was just like oh it's just gonna get ripped apart but i was like well at least maybe I'll learn something, you know, even if it does and it'll help me improve. Um, so I almost didn't post it up, but then I did and I saw people seem to like it, you know, mostly. So I was like, okay, I'll keep posting stuff. And I was so excited by this. I just kept writing. Like I was pretty prolific back then and and I would just write a lot and post a lot and it just became a bit of a thing on those forums, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we got a super chat from Kevin. He says, I have an invective and a BE100 Deluxe. Beautiful, be brutal combination. Thanks to you guys for those. Uh, and I'm not sure what he means by this, but Amisha, please tell the SSO knuck knuckleheads we aren't the same person. I know who this is. Okay. <laughs> this guy has an invective, and those amps are notoriously difficult to find. For It's a very long story. But, um, but you know, it's it's my sort of collaboration with, um, with, with PV, mm -hmm. and it's a really cool amp, but then no one can really find it. And this guy managed to get one and he really likes it. But there is, you know, the seventh string has they're they're they can be a moody bunch and they they can kind of um they have their uh their hive mind things about them. So people have sort of decided that the amp sucked and whatever. And like, but most of them hadn't tried it. They were just like, Yeah, this thing's this thing sucks. They have the one guy saying that he loves it. So like it's probably just Misha on like an alternate account trying to big wow. up his <laughs> Which so everyone has been accusing him. I don't even think I think this is from a while back, but um funny enough, he has a B one hundred deluxe, which I just tried for the first time the other day, and I was blown away by that amp. Like that is like one of the best amps I think I've played in a in a really long time. Um I was really, really impressed. I used to have a BE 100 back in the day, uh, which I loved. Yeah. It was like, uh, it was my first Friedman. It was like my introduction to your amps. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. But like, I always felt like it, uh, I just wanted a little more saturation out of it. Mm -hmm. It reacts to, to like uh, tube screamer style boost in a way that was, it didn't, it wasn't doing what I wanted because what I love is the harmonic content that comes out of the mid range. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the, uh, the low pass on the the tube screamer kind of kills that a little bit. So you'd get the saturation, but you'd lose the harmonic richness. And then there just wasn't a lot of low end and a lot of like kind of, you know, kicking your chest to it. So, so I eventually got rid of it uh, just to check some other stuff out. Uh, and I was always like, man, it was so close to being perfect. And then I played the, the, the B 100 deluxe and it's like, yep, that's, that's just good to go. That, that fixed like <laughs> all my issues, like absolutely love it. So Home run, dude. Yeah, it's been a it's been a uh, 
you know, labor of love over the years, you 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 slightly improve things, just like anything you make. You're, you you obviously make a, a bunch of products and different things, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, it's a labor of love. You just kind of you listen to people, you listen to feedback, and then you you start going, okay, I hear what you mean. All right, sure, and we can you know go from there and tweak it, make it better. And that's that's kind of the only. I mean, there's there's two sort of approaches. There's your approach, which I like, or there's sort of like, nope, that's the way it is. Deal with it, you know. Uh, and you've seen you've seen both sides of that. Yeah, but I it, mean, you don't go crazy. I mean, you don't make it a different thing, but you know, uh, or you come out with different models. Oh yeah, right. That also I mean, this, is, this is this is the important thing. It's sort of tempered through your judgment and your ear, and that's effectively what people are paying for. Is like right. they're trusting your ear on this. Right. So yeah, people could give a bunch of suggestions, but ultimately you're like, okay. So actually, I agree with these two things, and I'm going to fix that, and I'm going to use my ear still to determine when it's right. Uh, anyways, like yeah, I was really, I was genuinely blown away by that amp. That that was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get one. Uh, I'll probably uh, sell sell my my butter slacks, which I'm not as much a fan of, <laughs> and uh, and try to get into a V100 Deluxe because I think I need one of those in my collection. And then oh. I can uh, I can have the same as him. I'll have an invective and a B one hundred deluxe. We'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's wicked together. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we we had another super chat uh, from Bibhas Patil. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Big fan of the channel. Dave's amps and the BEOD pedal. Um, I'm a blues bass player who always plays vintage Strat guitars. I've recently become interested in starting a seven string. Any advice, Misha? That's a good question. Um, so advice for, I guess, picking up a seven string, picking up a seven, like, like for playing or like which guitar to get, uh, doesn't say specifically. Well, we can answer both. Um, so I'm going to recommend my pro series seven string, the Jackson, uh, HC seven that we have a Burl one and they're well priced. They're, they're just killer guitars for the money. Cause I think it'll be like eight fifty. That and it's like roasted maple. Oh, that's not mine. Yeah. No, it's not. It, yeah. And it and it really like uh, it, it it uh for the price point, it's like a phenomenal guitar. It really, just kind of holds up with with the USA models. So um, oh, sure. look at this! Fancy. You got that neon orange one there. That's like eight forty nine. We've got the blue sky burst. But if you go down one, you'll see that burl also. The the oh, so it's eight ninety nine for that one. Uh, and you know they hold up well with the the four thousand dollar USA ones. So like, you know, because I, I actually I'm recording my solo album and I'm actually using that matte blue frost HT six right next to it uh, to track the six string stuff. So it's, I just got one that has a lot of mojo, and you you just don't argue with mojo, you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, that, that's what I'd recommend. As far as the instrument itself, you know, it's an interesting thing because. A lot of people would be like, oh, seven string. It's basically got a six string in it. Um, so it could kind of replace it. But I don't know if it's just me. Uh, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but like I feel like it's its own instrument just just because of the nature of like having having the extra range there and you know the sort of chords that you can extract from it and the, the way you'll approach it. I find I write a little bit differently. So I actually personally recommend people have like a six and a seven. Like as opposed to like, oh, I have a seven, therefore I also have a six. Um, and I would just say to just sort of explore it for what it is. Um, see what you can get out of it, you know, see see what what you can get out of it that you can't get from, from a six string. Uh, I know I'm talking in abstractions right now, but 
it's one of those things that you'll just sort of vibe with, hopefully, um, because in my opinion, it is, it's just kind of a different instrument. Yeah, I've never played one. Really? You never played a seven? Never. Really? Yeah, we gotta fix I'll send I'll send you a guitar. He's lefty. Oh, oh lefty. no, we had this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I can't send you a guitar. Unfortunately. Because of course they don't make it in lefty. That whole tooling issue. Yeah, that's a it's a damn shame. It uh, it's probably hard to find uh seven lefty seven strings. It's probably not impossible, but it's probably hard. It's probably hard to find like a good one too. You know? I, I'd imagine. Yeah, that. you know. You uh, you should have learned to play guitar the other way. <laughs> long can, time can, ago, way, I, way, way, way too long. Yeah. Can I go on a late. Can I go on a bit of a rant about this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I'm no disrespect. I understand, and plus, you probably put a lot of time into learning it, so so you don't want to relearn a new instrument. But I will say, maybe as a practical point, to anybody who is thinking about getting into guitar maybe left-handed just learn right-handed guitar they're two arbitrary motions and one could make the argument that the more dexterous motion would be with your left hand like this is this is much more complicated than this you know uh so as a result you might be as at a slight advantage and i have a lot of uh left-handed friends who learned righty guitar um it's not like with drums where it's like okay you're leading with your left hand i understand that to some degree like you're always going to be leading with your dominant hand but here there's a, even a strong case to be made that your dominant hand is doing the more complex of the motions yeah. so just learn righty guitar sorry mark it's too late for you for the, for the <laughs> next mark you might have been even a better player if you learned the other way around see right i might have been i might have been yeah i don't know i mean i picked up drums just like you misha i was a drummer first and I drummed. It was like a combination of righty on the bottom and lefty on the top. Mm. So you know, like kind of open hand or whatever, -handed, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and just because of that, the rhythm hand just felt real comfortable because that was the hi hat mm. hand. Yeah, I understand. So I felt like that's. I don't know. It just felt very. I don't know. I, I have pictures of me when I was like thirteen when we did air guitar. With, with, and that's uh, the way that's the way you I, would, uh, I, I'm the only guy holding it lefty well that's a little different you know because you already had some sort of relationship with rhythm so what I'm talking about is someone who's just like this is a guitar you have no right. idea how to play it get a righty I agree I, yeah. it's 99 percent yeah. of what you'll be seeing in the store anyway so just pick up one of the guitars that looks like most of the rest of the guitars in the store get that one <laughs> not the one weird backwards one that you <laughs> make your right. life difficult right. and expensive <laughs> not the weird backwards one yeah, the one I one of my guitars later because <laughs> I don't make lefties so sorry not yet that's funny like um we have another uh, super chat from Modern Vintage. Thank you. Misha, on this topic, uh, can you speak on your tone amps and pedals over the time and how they changed as you hone your tone and why? Hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll probably start by, by saying that there is a sound that I'm always aware of, of ch and, and, and chasing, and a lot of it has to do with how I play guitar. And, you know, that's kind of the cop-out answer. It's like it's in the hands. But... I can get most rigs, especially if I have like a few tools. Like if I have like the precision drive, like I can get pretty much any amp that has any gain to, to have my tone, you know? So part of it's you, how you dial it and dial, dial it in part of it's how you sort of strike the strings and play the guitar. Um, and then from there, you're just sort of refining like what, 
what gear sort of naturally sits closer to what you know is less work like the reason that i gravitated for example to the be 100 deluxe is it sort of just sits already like oh i'm like wow i can just sort of leave everything at noon and it's it's good to go you know uh but you need to figure out like what that is uh for you you know and for for me that's definitely changed over time i've never thought about what i like it's just kind of chasing what i like so uh and 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 i'll say again i was coming up during a really interesting time because it was like this transition from like tube amps are the only way to get this sound to get like a quote-unquote professional tone to like hey these modelers are getting pretty competitive so once i had enough money saved up like i got a pod uh pod x3 i think you know, and that was a step up from the, the Behringer. And at, at that point, like I'd use the Behringer so much and like really like tried to extract as much of the sound I wanted out of it to where when I upgraded, I was like, oh, my God, this is like a world of difference. And I immediately knew how to dial it in and whatever. And then um, I remember like a friend of mine, I think on the Meshuggah forum, uh, he they I think he like co-owns a studio with Meshuggah. But like... Um, he was like, you got to try this Axe FX. Like Frederick from, from Meshuggah just got an Axe FX and you got to try it. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of money. Like, you know, I, like Behringer was like 1500, or, or sorry, 150 bucks. I think the pod was like 300. This right. thing was like 1500 bucks. It was just this leap in yeah. money. And like, I wasn't really making a lot. Of, I was like, man, I don't know. Uh, but I think I managed to get one at a price to where I was like, okay, if I hate this, I can at least get my money back. So we can just do this experiment and see if it's worth it. And because at that point in time, I had sort of extracted everything that I could get out of that pod. Like I'd tried every combination of everything and I'd really dialed that thing in, but I felt like, oh man, if only I could do this or that. When I got into the Axe effects, you know, once I got sort of uh, around the menus and understood how to work, I was like, this is, the greatest thing ever. This is just the next like quantum leap in tone, you know? Um, and again, like I had amps and I had all this stuff, but I was also living in apartments, you know, and, and load boxes weren't really good or as much of a thing like cabinet IRs weren't really that good back then. So that was more like live or band practice. And then for recording, like to have some silent recording solution that could actually sound really close or like professional. If you didn't tell someone that you were recording direct, they would just assume it was an amp, you know, like that was awesome. And the effects quality was great and whatever. Uh, So I loved it. But I remember like I was such an evangelist for it that like so many people would just buy it. And then they they hit me up. Like I was like fractal tech support and they'd be like, so how do you use this damn thing? I'm like, dude, like why would you buy something that you don't know how to use? Like when I got it, I was like, this is amazing. You know? And people are like, ah, I can't get this thing to sound good. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, so you have to know what you're looking for. And it's, it's nothing I've ever thought about concretely. It was more the other way around. It's like, I'm, I have the sound in my head that I'm trying to create and I have access to this gear what is helping me get to that sound? You know, uh, it's sort of looking at it maybe from the other angle of like, I'm trying to solve a problem here, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know how you guys relate to tone. If you're more on that side or if it's more the other way around, um, you know, if like you feel like amps themselves change your tone or if it's like always like a chase for like this, this ideal tone you hear in, in your head. And when you hear it, you're like, yes, we're getting there uh, or, or no, this isn't right. You know? Uh, but that's how it is for me. So that's why it's a bit hard to relate. Like how 
that's changed over time or whatever. It's just always this tone quest, as I call it. And you just keep getting gear, hoping that like you can push more in that ideal direction, you know? Well, I know for me, like I have like some of these ideal tones from other artists, right. Or other albums that are in my head that I I'm chasing. Right. You know, like, Oh, I want the ideal Van Halen tone or I right. want the ideal, uh, you know, Andy Summers staying clean or something, you know, whatever it is. Um, is that for you? Like, was it, you know, oh, I want Petrucci's tone or is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, well, well, no, it's more like I want aspects of his tone, you know, or like mm-hmm. I want aspects because I never heard, I, I would hear someone's tone and this is kind of an important thing. You'd hear someone's tone and in the context of that recording an album, it's perfect. It couldn't be more perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. But it kind of just works for that. It's kind of one dimensional. And it's like, if you were to, kind of get something close to that you could use so like i'd be trying to get mashuga's tone and then like i tried to use it in my music i'm like this is so scooped like you can't hear any of the notes mm-hmm. if you're gonna play mashuga's music like it works really well but i actually have to maybe push a bit more of that petrucci tone that mid-range into it and like maybe i want the top and the music. so it'd be like this amalgamation of all these different things and it's sort of how i would communicate or like at least communicate to myself like what's missing it's like oh yeah it needs a bit more low end like that tone and it needs a top end to be like sort of detailed but rounded like that you know Mm -hmm. so you're just sort of piecing it together and that's what makes it so hard but to to, to accomplish but it's probably also what makes it kind of mine is like i know what i'm going for and i'm using these other influences to sort of explain or or inform what that is going to be you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you find yourself going through a lot of gear to, to do that? No, I don't have any gear around me. I'm what I call a simple person. It's very clear that I'm a minimalist when it comes to this shit. You know? <laughs> yeah, this, is all, this is all part of the tone quest, my friend. <laughs> yeah. That's too funny. Well, uh, it's a similar it's a similar thing making amps, you know. So like, you know, that the ideal tone, the amps that I've made are the tones that are in my head. What that is, is a big melting pot of all my favorite things I've ever heard. Right. And and all the artists that I've liked and worked with and everything else. And in my head, I know what it's supposed to sound like. Right. Or my but communicating that in some sort of concise way would probably be really difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. It's impossible. There we go. That's yeah, it. Yeah. You know? Well, it's yeah. just like, for instance, like I, I was working on an amp. Uh, I was working on someone's amp that I was modifying. It's, it was kind of not the greatest JCM 800 in the world, um, meaning it was kind of the later era sideways inputs. It wasn't the greatest, you know, and it was just like I got it to a point. I'm like, it's still not right. It's just not right. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And it was driving me crazy. Chances are the person that's getting it wouldn't know any different. But for me, I can't let it go until it's perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or at least and when I go, all right, it's done. You know, That's the worst part to me is when you're almost there and when you yeah. can't quite get there because you're like, I'm 5% off, but I don't know where to find this 5%. I don't know how to fix this. Yeah. I have had days of frustration just trying to tweak that 5%. Yeah. And oftentimes it's only to give up and maybe just try something else, you know? Right. Um, yeah. At least when it exactly. sucks or it's way off, you're like, well, don't need to waste time with that. But when you're that close, you know, and like that's yeah. a, that's the problem is like you get so granular with this stuff 
And for me, I'm I'm doing it from a, a recording context. So I'm also like listening how it is in the mix. And it's like sometimes you're like, yeah, I nailed it. And then in the mix, it's like, oh, it's still not cutting through the. You know, I'm going through this right now because I'm, uh, you know, kind of getting to the mixing point of my solo album, and I'm doing everything myself. I can't bounce anything off anyone else, and it's just that is the torturous part. It's just like, oh, it's not quite there yet. What do I do? Like, I don't, you know, do I just so? And and actually, for a couple of songs, just started from scratch i was like okay like this 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 is not working let's try a different app let's try something else you know <laughs> like it sucks but it's just like yeah and and as you said you know logically i'm like you know probably like 99 of listeners will not notice or they'll be like that's great you know but i yeah. can't live with it you know i have to be able to live with this this is well, a I- selfish pursuit it's a solo album <laughs> an artist you know you know that's Dave, you're an artist with your amps. You're an artist with your music. Uh, you know that's just the way it is. Yeah. That's yeah and, and, and here's the other thing, really, too. That the other the other thing that not enough people talk about is what works for you, Misha, works for you. Yep. Someone else plays through your setup, and you might even look at your setup and going, "Did it break? This is all right." This is what I was saying earlier. Like people, it's such Damn. a cliche, but the tone is in the hands. It's like it sounds like such a cop out. But then, especially when you start like to really like get the hang of your instrument, you realize how much of your personality and sound comes from from that, and how different a re- like so much of what I wanted to tell people. It's like like eventually I started to make my my Axe FX patches available to the public. You know. Uh, and people would hit me up and be like, how do I get this to sound good? And I'm like, that's my exact patch. Like, I don't, I, there's nothing more I can give you short of like giving you my actual hands. But that is the difference at that point. It's like, you know, um, and, and you'd be like, oh, it's a guitar. Well, some of these people have my exact guitar too. Like they have my signature no, model. Hand. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And yeah, if I were to give my exact rig to even the other uh, members in my band, like I know how my band members sound. And we dial in their tones accordingly, you know, yeah. because like Mark in my band, just I don't know why it's just brighter when he plays through my rig, it's brighter, just mm-hmm. inexplicably. And Jake is actually less bright than me and more balanced. And even it's just like, so even the, and they're they're both phenomenal guitarists, but that's just their sound when they play. And we're using such similar setups. And yet it's so different and they can play through my exact rig. And, and I can I could tell you who's playing just by how it sounds. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, <laughs> it's it's cool how that you know everybody has that signature. Yeah, I learned that a long time ago, man. Yeah, I've had people come in and play through a rig I knew sounded great, and yeah, then they, they played through it, and I was literally looking under my breath, going, "Man, did it break?" <laughs> Shit. Yeah, you know, doesn't sounds broken. <laughs> and, and I mean, it, it's unfortunate, but that's a, that's that's kind of the way it is sometimes. You know, like they're. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to generalize here, but I feel like sometimes some I learned this from the forums, you know, like sometimes the people with like the loudest opinions were those where I was like when when you'd see them play, I'm like, wow, I really should not be taking anything from you very seriously. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier, like sort of filtering through like, you know, some common sense because yeah. you know, it's like, oh, you aren't even hitting the strings right, you know, like it sounds you dull can't, can't because do we don't even know how to get any power on the the guitar. Yeah, like you like you could have the best rig in the world and it wouldn't fix that, you know. Right. So um, technique, technique hands, yeah. technique, yeah. technique goes a long way. And then meanwhile, like you know, I remember uh, 
we were touring with with Jeff Loomis at one point, and you know he's just warming up on a practice amp. And I'm like, what practice amp is that? I should buy that practice amp. That's the best sounding practice amp I've ever heard in the world. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just Jeff Loomis. Like, yeah, it doesn't amazing. matter. Doesn't matter. The dude doesn't even care about tone. He doesn't even dial his stuff in because he doesn't need to. It's gonna sound great. <laughs> like there's just you know it's, uh, it's that's a sort of logical other extreme there and um you know you, you'll you'll see sort of both both ends of the spectrum so yeah it is unfortunately so much of it and you know i'm kind of doing myself a disservice because you know i sell a lot of gear and like you know i have products and whatever but at the end of the day like there's no point in not telling the truth about it it's like yeah these are all tools that will help you sound better and will help complete the equation but it really starts with you like if your technique isn't good like there's no gear that can save that not yet <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not yet. That's <laughs> true. Um, we got it's another- 2020 and the, the internet's taking over. So give it a year. It's probably just a year away. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Modern Vintage. Thanks for the super chat. Uh, I think this is your second one, right? Thanks. Uh, Dave and Misha, if you guys did a hand wired 100 plus watt Misha Sig Friedman amp, what would it be like? A Freeman Idealized 5150 Invective, a BE Deluxe Mix, any new, and then he has a separate question, any new USA Juggernaut mo- models for, or updates for 2021? I don't know what it would be. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't either. And and to tell you the truth, like, um, you know, when I've worked on these sort of projects, one, it always starts from a place of like working with someone who I feel like understands what I'm looking for. There's no, there's a lot of very talented engineers out there, but if they're sort of chasing something else, they might not fully understand, you know, my specific thing. So, um, you know, though, though, funny enough, uh, Dave, I do think you probably, given how much I like your amps, like we probably would be on the same page, but it'd be the kind of thing where like, we would have to just sit, sit in a room and figure it out. Uh, I wouldn't go in beforehand with like, a super concrete goal because like, you know, it's just like when you're writing a song with, 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 with people, you want to, you want to jam, you want to feel it. You don't want to like have the whole thing yeah. decided before no, you even meet, you know? And that's, that's how you do it. You sit down in a room and you go, you start listening to some things and you yep. go, okay, so that's pretty close. Now, what I don't like about it is this. Exactly. And now if we can make it do this a little bit more then, and then we try some parts and put them in and, and work on it. And then boom, there it is. Just jamming. Mm-hmm. Jamming ideas out, but just on the, the, the development side. So like that's in my experience, that's how, how I've like all always done like signature products, collaboration and all that stuff. Uh, and that's why it's important to start with someone that you, you'd be like, okay, like I think we're close enough to the same page where we could jam and, and we would end up with this, this really cool thing. So it's a bit tough to answer what it would be like, but you know, chances are it will be something kind of unique just because of the elements coming into it, and uh, it, it'll be inspired by uh, both parts, sort of tone quests, if you will. Right. Exactly, um, it's actually really fun. I love yeah. That oh because, yeah, because it's like, oh okay, well let me try this. What do you think of that? Boom, you know, and then you create something, and it, it just you know. You know. You well, and in, in 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 the same way that like like jamming with someone or writing music with someone, oftentimes the music end up ends up being more than the sum of the parts. It's like I find like by collaborating with these things, I learn a lot of things, and I also learn about things to look for. I'm like, oh, you're listening to that, or you're looking for that. That's super interesting. I never thought of that before. Uh-huh. So it's actually a, a super fascinating progress. I really enjoy it too. 
which is which right. is a, a big reason why I'm so sort of involved with so many things because it's just fun. Like that's the main reason to do it. Is like you give a gear nerd like me an opportunity to to design anything. It's like yep, yep, they, let's do it. <laughs> you know, as long yeah. as I think like I can work with someone who's capable and can like make it come to life like why not why would you ever say to me why would you ever say no to that you know so uh yeah i don't know what it would be but like it would probably be really cool (laughs) well that that leads me to the uh thing uh so you unlike a lot of musicians have really uh started companies and started making products and software and tell us about all your ventures you got going on well, yeah, I mean, like, I, it's something that you diversify your income. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing I always talk about is like, people are always like, "How do you make it in this industry?" And they want the answer to be like some sort of secret to like making it just as a as a band or something, which would be great. But I'm just like, man, in my experience, that is really, really rare and really hard. And and you guys, I know, have seen this as well. Like, the amount of musicians who could just be in a band and be fine especially nowadays maybe maybe 10 20 years ago that was a different story but nowadays it's like no way man like it's so expensive to be in a band there's so little money coming in so yeah you diversify and you know what you diversify in i think to me should always be something genuine so yeah like we started horizon devices because literally i just wanted this pedal i just wanted to buy a pedal like uh like a tube screamer style boost that that had an adjustable uh, uh attack basically like how much how much it cuts on the low end and like i was like someone's got to make that and nobody made it and i was like well damn well, then i should just make it for myself or like find a way to make it and i was like well then i might as well sell it um so yeah that's a that's an apex preamp that's a, what we put out after that we have a few things but like it turns out a lot of people really wanted this so that's a precision drive where feels like permanently out of stock like as soon as we get it we're out of stock mm-hmm. but i guess it's a good problem to have i mean like supply is a bit of a a complicated so thing you know what's the nano attack the nano attack coming that shouldn't be saying coming soon that's uh i don't even know if we have any left um but uh that is a a, a stripped down uh precision drive it's just basically the attack knob like kind of baked in settings so it's just sort of like a high pass filter where it's like just tiny. well no it's not because it's the actual circuit it's the full circuit oh, okay. uh, but the the precision drive also has a gate so we removed that on that it was just a simplified for like mini mini rigs or if you just want the circuit and you don't need all the functionality and you you just want it to take up no space on your board or you have a mini board or whatever mm-hmm. uh, but most people tend to go for the precision drive because it's just well featured uh, and then we sold so many of those that it was like oh like this, thing, this company has legs let's make other products and 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 here we are you know so it really just started out as like this thing that i wished existed and i was like oh i have the opp- opportunity to design pedals i wish existed that's sick let's let's right. just keep doing that until until we can't you know and that's that's basically where we are um the other company that i'm involved is uh, started uh, uh get good drums with a bunch of my friends and some bandmates um it's our drum software company and again coming up that with that being sort of such an integral part of like how I started uh, music, you know, I used a uh, tune track forever and I got to give those guys credit. Um, you know, like that's, they're basically respond responsible for me starting my recording career and whatever. And I used it forever, 
but I did find that like the stuff was kind of weird to mix. And as I started to become more aware of like engineering and all that stuff, I was like, you cannot mix this stuff the way that you would like live drums. And we were trying to figure out like why that was. And if maybe if we tried it ourselves, if we could get better results and we did. And then we're like, well, we think this is really cool. Let's put this up for sale and let's see if we could sell like a hundred copies, you know, just set like very humble goals. Uh, and, th- and that went off like gangbusters as well. And like now we have uh, a ton of stuff, um, all sorts of stuff. We uh, if you if you go down, you'll see our latest thing we just put out the one kit wonder, which is basically a very inexpensive kit. It's one kit and it's sort of pre-mixed, ready to go. If you don't want to be an engineer, if you don't want to have to worry about the programming, like we have groove packs for sale. So it's like if you just want to write um you get that. It sounds great. It's already processed. The grooves are there. You just drop them in and just jam to it. Um, so um, we're, we're, we're sort of expanding the lineup so that we can cover as much ground as possible. But again, this is just born of like, I suppose, questions of like, can we do this? Like, this would be really cool if this existed, you know? Um, I mean, Dave, like you, you probably started making amps the same way. You're like, oh, I'm modding this. It, yeah, like- it doesn't didn't what what I wanted. The same thing. What I wanted out an amp of an amp didn't exist. Right. And you're like, oh, no one makes this? Oh, I should, I should not this. put the tone that I wanted out. Right, of right, right. Oh, so, you know. Um, and that's what makes it so great because it's born of a genuine place. Like, you know, I think some people might be like, oh, you know, did you do these as money makers? It's like, dude, I've started so many things that failed, you know? Like, these are just a couple things that actually worked. But all the things were, were like passion projects. I had no idea that either of these companies would do so well. and we, we kind of accepted the fact that they probably wouldn't do very well. Like I, they, they both seem like sort of niche products, you know, but here we are. So, um, so it makes it really fun to continue working on these because they just get to be these like pure explorations of like, Oh, what, what do we want to make? You know, <laughs> like, and there's, the, there's no shortage of ideas. So it's more about like sort of prioritizing, like what makes the most sense to make next, you know? And, right. and I, I really, I really do enjoy that. Um, and it's sort of uh, tied around music. So in a way, I've failed at the music career because, you know, um, the band is not my main source of income. You know, it's sort of more of a hobby again. But through that, it's 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 kind of a beautiful thing because I've talked about this a little bit. But like um, it's one of the the sort of unspoken curses of like actually sort of making it as a band where you become a professional Um you know, where, you know, where they say, like, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. So I always thought, like, oh, I was working at, like, Radio Shack and Katerius are working, like, like bullshit jobs and doing music in my free time. Like, it would be so great if I could just do music full time. And then when it becomes your job, like, it can really take the love and the passion out of it. Once it becomes a job, it becomes a job. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say it's all bad. Of course, it's really cool and it's great to tour the world and to do all that and be like, yeah, this is my job. But there's also times where it's like, you know, oh, we have a deadline for this so that we can make this tour so that that tour, this opportunity. Can I'm like, what does this have to do with why I started making music? I started making music because I could, because it was fun. It was this exploration. It was like, man, I could do this at home on my computer. And I was mm-hmm. like, I missed that. You know, I'm, I, I was starting and I got really burnt out and I almost like quit touring. <laughs> like we took a year off as a band. Like I got to thank my band. They're like my support group. They're the best, they're the best people ever. And they were like, you know, we need to talk about, it. let's figure out what's going on. And if we need to take a break, we'll take a break. We took a break. I was just burnt out. We took our time with the next album. We kind of 
did a little, we cleaned house a little bit and got, you know, management and like people and everyone who sort of understood our vision. And now we basically are in control of our faiths there. And it's something that I personally view as a hobby. I don't even know how much money periphery makes anymore. Uh, and I don't really care. It never really factors into anything. Ironically, I think it's more than ever, but it doesn't matter. Like it's not actually a concern because the music is sacred and like everything is sacred. like the time, like how we feel about it is sacred and that it's something that we feel good about is the most important thing and not like some arbitrary deadline or like trying to be a bigger band or whatever. Like that's all, that's all stuff that can happen or can't, it doesn't have to happen. It's fine. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, so so in a way I've failed, but like, I've also found like these, these diverse, these ways to diversify my income that genuinely make me really happy and enjoy. Yeah, I mean, uh, cool. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun making stuff. It's 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 like making. Well, you're making products, which is similar to making music in some ways. Yeah, you're proud of what you make, and you you know you're happy about it. You you know you birth this thing just like you birth the song or a record or you know and <laughs> and sometimes it's a labor you know, of love, right? Cool. You know, yeah. uh, but but like I'm sure you're the same way. Like you would never put out something that you weren't like a hundred percent. No, stoked about you know yeah. it just doesn't there's so many ideas that like didn't hit that mark and just no one even knows about we're just like nope <laughs> this will never see the light of day or at least not as it is you know uh maybe you'll explore it later and put it out again or maybe it'll never be a thing you know but right. like only the successes only the ones that you feel genuinely good about it's the same thing with the music it's like you're not putting out the stuff that like like yeah this sucks but whatever let's make a buck you know <laughs> exactly so right. it is very similar we have a, another super chat from Mansfield Property Services MPS. Okay, uh, he's, that's an advertisement for his company too. At the same, no. <laughs> uh, this is from the Baritone Cult YouTube channel. Love your love your show, guys. Thank you. Okay, Thank Baritone you. Cult YouTube. I I don't know that YouTube channel, but I, I assume that uh, we'd get along if they like baritones. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat. Really really appreciate it. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the pickups mm-hmm. uh, that you you have going on with uh, bare knuckle. Yeah, yeah. So tell us how that how, how that come, came about. Yeah. So I mean, uh, this was interesting. Like bare knuckle was going around the forums, uh, and it was like this cool pickup company, and they're super expensive, and they do these cool covers and whatever. It's like. Every now and then, you know, I always say people shop with their eyes and every now and then there's a product that you're just like, I want this like irrationally. It just looks great. And, you know, this is sort of like their their uh, their basic cover, but you could do all sorts of crazy covers on it. You can do like camo finish covers, tiger finish cover, whatever, you know, and, and anywhere right. from classy to tacky or whatever you really want to spend. Um, but most importantly, they're like these hand built like scatter wound pickups, which I didn't even know what that meant at the time. Um and I and I and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna try it out. Let's see what what all the hype is about. And like, I put it in uh, one of my guitars. I forget what I got. And and I actually, I think uh, just spoke to some forum members to see like what what they would recommend. And I was just like, man, like this is awesome. I remember it just being like a new level of dynamic. And I pick very hard. So for me, like being able to use my right hand to like sort of as a volume control, like the more dynamic, the better. Right. And the more I feel like I can like, just, I hated it when I would 
dig into a guitar and I felt like it was just like bottoming out on dynamics. Like, and that's why I never really liked active pickups or EMGs. It was like, they always sort of sound the same. And I understand how, if you don't really dig into your guitar, it could actually be beneficial. But for someone like me, I, I wanted something dynamic. And then there was something really nice about the top end, which I'd always been looking for, where it was like this sort of detailed top end, but not ice picky. You know, you could actually use the top end and you could work with the treble on your amps and it wouldn't like, be super harsh on like higher notes or higher up on the fretboard i was like man like i just didn't know that you could do that right um and funny enough like i think that was right around the time that like dimarzio i think was offering us free pickups uh but i was just going ahead and buying these (laughs) even though i was getting pickups because again the heart wants what the heart wants so it's like Uh i I just love I, i love these pickups so much and eventually i got in touch with tim uh, Tim Mills, who who winds them, and that dude can just talk pickups. That dude, that dude is so great, and he's such a sweet guy. And we were just talking pickups, and he helped sort of advise me on my next set. And like, he's just so knowledgeable, and he's so humble about it. Like, if he doesn't know something, he'll admit it, and he'll be like, hmm, "That's interesting. I don't know," you know. And, and I really liked it. I just felt like I could really trust what he was saying. So as I started to just sort of promo the brand. I think he started to give me like slight discounts, but again, there's so much cost in them. And he was just starting out. I was still paying for them, you know? And it was just funny because like, you know, the other guys in the bands were getting free pickups. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't mind. I'll just, I'll pay a little bit to, to get these. And again, the justification I think was like, hey, at that price. What you want. yeah. And, and well, and also like, you know, yeah. it's not like I was rolling in cash. So I was like, well, you know, if ever I need to sell it, I could probably get my money back. So whatever. Right. You know, like it's, it's kind of a no risk deal but i just really really loved the pickups um and eventually like he was so happy like i think i got a lot of people to be aware of the brand and whatever and he was like one you know one day i was like hey man like you know would you ever consider doing a signature pickup he's like you know it's funny you say that because i was about to ask you if you would you'd be interested so it was kind of this thing where we just sort of converged at the same spot i went out to, to the place in cornwall in the uk and like spent like three or four days actually with Nolly for my band. Cause I trust his, he's a dude tone guru whose ears I trust beyond anyone else. It's great to have someone else that you can bounce ideas off of. So you don't fall too much into your own rabbit hole, you know, or get too myopic with certain aspects, you know, and I was worried about that. Um, so like the three of us just sort of chipped away. Um, it started kind of with like a wish list of like what my ideal pickup would do, how it would react, what it would sound like. And he wound up a bunch of prototypes, didn't tell us what, what it was. And then we recorded, you know, we just did for like four days, just testing back and forth. He's tweaking, he's winding, he's whatever. And then like by the end, we ended up with something really cool. And the and that became the juggernaut. And it's a hybrid pickup because it's, it's uh, I believe a, it's, an Alnico five magnet with ceramic flanking magnets. And the idea is that you're getting a little bit, you know, the idea with ceramics is very fast sort of response. It tracks very, very quickly, but it can get a little bit harsh. The Alnico is richer and warmer. And so, and I'm sorry if I'm getting like super nerdy here, but like, no, no, no it's, that's, that's what this channel is. Okay, great. great. <laughs> We're in good company. I don't know if like people are falling asleep right now, but, no, um, no. but yeah, but the idea was that like, um, it would sort of be like, a, like, give me some of the best aspects of both worlds. Cause that was on my sort of wish list is like, I was like, I love ceramic pickups. So I feel like they are kind of, they can get kind of harsh and like, you're going to do bridge pickup leads, you know, on high gain. Sometimes those high notes uh, higher up on the, the fretboard can just be a little harsh. I don't like that, you know? Uh, and so he sort of solved it. He didn't tell me how he solved it. He's, he sort of like 
skin that cat as many ways as he could. And like, that was the one that we, we sort of gravitated towards. Uh, it's a super dynamic pickup. Like it's almost like frustratingly dynamic because it will not hide. You can't hide behind it. It's like this surgical tool and it's extremely versatile as a result, whether you split it, it, it can sort of handle anything you throw at it, clean, heavy, split, whatever, which was great because my band periphery needs all of that, you know? So absolutely, you know, knock that one out of the park and that, that, that pickup did really well. And then like a few years back, um, there is something cool about like what active pickups do, in my opinion, especially things like EMGs, is they like sort of compress the mid range in a way that like when you are palm muting, like um, especially like if you think of like like drop C on like a, a six string or something like that, when you're palm muting, just makes that like mid range bloom in a in a really musical way, and the notes sort of like uh, bind together in a really cool way. Um, and obviously they're very compressed and like, I don't like the way they feel, but I went to him. I was like, Hey man, like, is there a way to get that into a passive pickup? And he was like, Hmm, that's interesting. He's like, let me, let me, let me think on it. And and he got back to me like a month later. He's like, you know, I've, I've got some prototypes and I think we've got some cool results. So once again, I came out, I think it was at the end of a tour and Nolly came out again uh, because that, that setup worked out. Uh, so well the time before and this time we were aiming for something like kind of aimed at like just aggressive sounds right but like we've got the surgical tool we've got the scalpel let's build the sledgehammer right now and this thing is still a relatively dynamic pickup but it's a lot more compressed than the juggernaut and it's a lot more fun to play and we didn't even test this thing on cleans or anything like that as it so happens it works very well on cleans and on split tones which was a complete surprise because our mission statement didn't have anything about clean guitars but you know a, a good pickup's a good pickup so that's the Ragnarok and those are my two signature sets with uh with uh bare knuckle and I know some people are always asking like which which one to get so yeah if you want like versatility and you feel like dynamics is the most important thing and you want you know, your right hand to do all the talking, get the juggernaut. If you want something that's sort of fun and aggressive and in your face uh, and, and just sounds really musical at the same time, like the Ragnarok is the way to go. Cool. Cool. I, I have your pickups in this guitar, by the way. Oh, which ones? Um, oh, they're the juggernauts? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice. How do you like them? I think they sound fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, this was a, um, this guitar came, of course, it's a lefty, right? So as soon as I saw it, I just bought it. Oh, and it uh, came with those. It came with them. Yeah, with the the Lefty store, uh, it's called Extreme Lefty. They do special orders with Jackson. Oh, okay, okay. Like that, so they did the special. It is because this is from the custom shop. Yeah, it's a beautiful guitar. Thanks. Yeah, I love it. That's the kind of Lefty you don't see very often. So I imagine when you see something like that, you just kind of jump on it, right? Yeah, I was like, it's sold, done. I know Dave's Dave's really into the sparkly guitars. I know that. <laughs> you, you, you hate sparkles <laughs> i i, I kind of like them i kind of like them but i i kind of got dissuaded from doing them because they're apparently a real pain like it, yeah, pain once you do. stop once you stop the next few guitars will still have sparkles it basically just creates a lot of fallout mm. so they're just like they're like we did a spark a silver burst sparkle which i loved and then they're like hey man like you know if you switch to another color make everyone's life a lot easier so so we switched but i'm i i saw a blue sparkle guitar the other day and i think i, I might just be like yeah sorry guys we're gonna have to reintroduce some sparkle back in <laughs> it, i like it so i me. love it. a good sparkle i love it when it's got like that looks like the kind of like where it's got the thick flake yeah uh, 
I, I think I see uh, Dave throwing up in the background as we talk. No, about it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, here's the thing I learned. So we, we, you know, obviously I make guitars too. The thing I learned about guitars is no matter how, no matter what you make, no matter what color you make, there's someone that's going to love it or buy it. Even if you hate it. Yeah. And there's been a few guitars that we've just made that I looked at and just went, oh, God, really? No. This will never find Jeez. a home. <laughs> and, so yeah, like, yeah. But, but finally, someone I was, made I finished. <laughs> so there was, like, there was this telly that was like this canary yellow telly, bright, bright, bright yellow, and it had these metal P90 covers in it and stuff. And to me, not my favorite, you know? That doesn't even sound that bad. Well, to me, to be and everything, you know, not my favorite. <laughs> but, but, but here I, I learned this. So, so it went to Sam Ash in New York, and I did a clinic at Sam Ash in New York, and the guitar was there. And there's a guy that was sitting there playing that guitar, and I think he wound up buying it. He just told me how much he loved this particular guitar, and I'm like, going right on, man. <laughs> you know, but you know, that's the other, that's the other half, and I I will attest to this, like. Besides Canario, I'm saying like that spec even sounds kind of maybe I have to see it, but in my head, that actually doesn't sound that bad. But like ultimately, and maybe you guys could give me your opinion on this. Let's say let's say there was like a really just disgusting looking guitar, but it just played just perfect and sounded great. Wouldn't you just go for it anyways? Be like, ah, whatever. This would be a studio. Hey, but, but disgusting in what way? <laughs> that's a different look. So that's a whole different thing. So so like disgusting to me would be some sort of, you know, uh, murky ugly color like some something like you know like look like swamp water or something you know yeah and, no, and, i mean and, more like like just saying you're not you're like oh i would never do shell pink or something like that or like there's some saying like you're I like oh, i hate spark i'd me too but like i don't know you like you don't like sparkles just some finish that 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 like as you said is for someone but just not is not for you at all like I would yeah, get that to pretty good because I got a bunch of guitars. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, ultimately, that's the most important thing to me. Is like, yeah, if it, if how, it, yeah, 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 and like how it plays. Like, there's certain guitars you're just like, I love this. Within a few minutes, it's inexplicable. The the specs are all wrong. It doesn't even. I have a I have a Fender Custom Shop Strat here, which is like literally the opposite of what everything I would put on a spec sheet if I was designing a guitar and it is just inexplicably like one of the best guitars I've ever played and I will never sell it. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, doesn't make sense, but I love it, you know? Right. Uh, so, so, you know, that's, I, I feel like that's, that's the real thing. Like, and, and I like the color on this one, but that, that guitar plays so well that even if it was like my least favorite color and I thought it looked terrible, like, so I'll be like, yep, just be a studio yeah. guitar. You know? sure. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, even amps too. I mean, I've had people make colors of amps that were not, I just would, I never, but, yeah. uh, but it made them very happy. So, I mean, what ultimately makes your customer happy is what makes you happy. And they're just going to have a hell of a time trying to resell it. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Misha. Any chance of the Jackson Dad Strat being a pro series? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I I love it so that you know, the 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 sort of way that these things work is you sort of work your way for the top down. So that's a it's actually a a, a custom shop. Uh, should I try to pull that out from the back? I think I have it in the guitar case. You guys want to see it? 
Sure. sure. Let me go grab it. Yeah. yeah. I, I was here. I'll be right back. Okay. While we're waiting for Misha, I'll uh, make sure you guys check out Sweetwater. We have a link uh, in like the memo section of the video. So you guys can click on there for Sweetwater and uh, purchase anything you like. And, we, you know, we get a little commission out of it. All right. Let's see that. All right, so yeah, this is actually uh, this is a, a master built custom shop. It's it's built by uh, Red Dave in uh, the Jackson Jackson uh, custom shop, and uh, I love strats and I love relics strats. Right, um, I'm with Jackson, so one of the perks is it's owned by uh, by FMIC, so like you know we can do the Fender headstock with their right. permission. And, I, and actually, one of the first Jackson guitars I had was an Adrian Smith, which had the logo like this. I knew that could be done. Uh, I just had to persuade people enough to allow it to happen. Right. But, um, you know, because I I have like a Fender Custom Shop Strat and like, you know, I wanted sort of my own version. So this is a total sleeper. It's got a bare knuckle Ragnarok, the aggressive pickup in the bridge. And like I had Tim custom wind some appropriate neck and middles. Mm -hmm. um, got 20 inch, a 20 inch uh, uh, fretboard radius, stainless steel jumbo frets, locking tuners. Lumen so yeah 20 inch radius 20, i like yeah. i like my i like my my uh, fretboard very flat i i got that from alan holdsworth actually like i had a, a carbon alan holdsworth back in the day which was my first guitar with a 20 inch radius 20 on the right. radius wow. yes i don't think i've ever even played a guitar with a 20 try it man it's, it's awesome i have yeah, it's, you know, it's 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 like that but flatter <laughs> wow. um but you know, like when you're playing more sort of technical stuff, uh, and if you like your action a little lower, it just makes it a little more uniform across yeah. across the board, you know. Um, and I can understand how people who are doing a lot of sort of like like cording and lower whatever may prefer, you know, that matches the radius of your fingers or whatever. But actually, generally speaking, like this is just better uh, for me. And ever since I did twenty inch radius, not only did I convert myself over it but like the other guys in my band uh also have that on their signature models as well because they're, they're a big fan um see now i just want a guitar with the 20 inch radius just i think you need one you need you need one just i mean <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's market research you know <laughs> yeah exactly. you, you, can, can you can you afford not to have it is the real question so yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah like you know this looks so this is the dad rock guitar like it looks it looks like just like a regular sort of custom shop strat to the the, the untrained mm -hmm. eye so um, the the bridge is a recessed route isn't it yeah the, the bridge is it's a it's a goto bridge yeah. and i have a tremble no on the back here so it's yeah. actually fixed right now yeah uh, because i generally don't use a, a trim but i did want i did want this kind of bridge i think they, yeah. they sort of make strats sound like strats yeah, but what um, I mean is they route it underneath the bridge so you can pull yeah. up if yep, you want. Yep, yep, you can pull you, you can pull up on it. Um and uh also just a little pet peeve stuff I'm sure you guys can relate. Um the volume knob, I would always like roll it back. So I had to move it forward. We don't need the second uh yeah. knob there. So this gets uh pushed back there. It just means I'm not I'm not rolling it off, especially live. Right. Got a five way. Um this is something I, I was doing on my models and um I'm just such a fan of this. I stole this from the Petrucci model, which is just putting the truss rod adjustment right there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have that on ours too. Yep. Yeah, it's just that's where it should always be. Yeah, yeah. You, really you, you almost use anything to do it. Yeah, and and I've done it. I've done it in the middle of a show before. You know, like 
there's like like one every now and then you'll get the guitars where they're like this is less now and now we have text but like back in the day like the guitar would be stored in like kind of like a cold area during the winter uh, winter show you get up on stage it's all sweaty and hot like your neck moves and it's like Let's give it a little twist, you know, and like you're good. You can't do that with a lot of guitars. So like yeah. I was just sold on that. We've got the Luminlay side dots, side dots on here, which I'm just sold on forever. We have live shows that really prioritize like making it look cool rather than um than than lighting up the fretboard. So those glow in the dark, right? But they won't light up. It's yeah. not like LED lights right. or anything. It's like light up your face or anything like that. And next uh, roasted too, right? Sorry, yeah, yeah. We've got this beautiful roasted uh, flame maple. Uh, neck here um yeah, cool. how would so, you describe the uh, thickness of the neck is that like a it's, you know i'm funny enough i don't do like super thin necks i like my necks to have a little bit of heft this is not like super thick but it's probably thicker than you'd imagine for like a quote-unquote shredder so yeah. i actually like my necks to be like kind of flat on the front right so having a 20 inch radius but a nice nice c-shape uh i don't know the exact thickness offhand um and with it being custom shop, I'm sure it's different from like they made like 20 of these, um, you know, uh, so it's probably slightly different on all of them. But like, uh, yeah, this is it's it uh, fits my hand uh, quite nicely. And I do find that like slightly thicker necks within reason just sound better. Like they, you, you get more attack yeah, out of them. Absolutely. Um, so I don't I don't do the super thin neck thing. I don't do the D shaped like sort of Ibanez wizard neck thing either. Um, because I find they kind of make my hand cramp up a little bit. So yeah, that's is funny, cool. isn't it? Like how that works with we were talking about the who were we talking to this about? Um, Jordan Ziff. Uh, Jordan Ziff maybe too. Yeah, he was saying he likes bigger necks too because the hand cramps up on on thinner necks. Yeah, totally I, I think the thin neck thing was like kind of a fad because it was just like cool. It was like whoa, that's so thin. But then when you think about it, there's no real advantage. And then when you actually go and tour with a thin neck guitar. Like that thing will move around on you. So this is like a, a substantial piece of wood. It's already like roasted. So they've roasted the moisture out of this. So this thing, man, like this thing is just rock solid on the road. Doesn't matter. We mm -hmm. took it to Europe, took it wherever. Like it just, it works. So we don't, you know, and having a reliable guitar on the road is probably the single most important thing. I would take a reliable guitar over a better sounding guitar. That's less reliable. And, and, any touring musician would tell you the same thing. So um, this is definitely like for meeting function for this guitar, but I do love the way that looks. Uh, and oh, and they cool. finished it in uh, in nitro uh, Daphne blue. So that then actually the Fender custom Joe at the Fender custom shop did the relic job. So this is like sort of the, the Fender custom shop relic job, heavy relic job on it, which, which I like, I love his relics. So no, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Um, what's the, what's on the headstock there? Uh, oh, I uh, just I've been recording with this, so just some some uh, gaff tape just to oh, eliminate okay. a little bit of extra ringing. I got um, you. Yeah, I find like especially these ones, like you know, just you know, get a little bit of excess noise. Um, oh yeah, we got locking oop, locking too. Oh, and look at this best part, best part about relic job. Just knocked my guitar. Don't care. <laughs> yeah, more care. Where, which one did it at? I, don't, I have no idea. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't make any difference, and that's a beautiful thing about it. We're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> and if you go to and if you go to sell it, so you know, and it, it's not like going to be like, oh, like it's got this extra ding in it. From exactly, no, no, you protect you protect yourself, yeah. right? Um, exactly. It's, it's so this, is, this is one of my favorite guitars. Um, 
It's actually the second prototype. I've got one that's got the hip shot bridge on it, but I like the Goto better, so that's the one I use. But um, but yeah, no perks uh, perks of being uh, with with technically with FMIC uh, for the signature model. Um, you get to every now and then ask for a few things. Oh, and the other thing, I didn't do the deep dish. I think the deep dish is kind of stupid, and I used angled cables, so deep yeah. dish. The the uh, the output. Oh, there. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great guitar. It looks great. So tell us about your solo album. You've been working on that for for a little bit, right? Yeah, it's 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 funny. So I've got you know like I've been putting out the archives of all this music that we're talking about, right? Like that was like just putting out online or whatever. Uh, and it was never out in. It was just out on forums, and I put it up on this one site called SoundClick, which. Mm-hmm. Is not the horse to bet on apparently <laughs> because no one knows what it is and uh you know like so now now we have our label and we, we have a, basically a good way to release it so i've been like sort of curating those and like putting them out into these different volumes of an archive and there's eight volumes and there's an orchestral and a, an electronic volume so it's 10 albums 110 songs and been releasing them backwards we just put out volume two on spotify today so you can go check that stuff it's all under bulb which is my sort of online moniker so uh, this is all your demos that you did way back in the day yeah yeah and we're sort of working backwards so like we're volume oh. one will be the very first sort of batch of ideas there we're, we're getting into the older stuff now and um uh i've never done a solo album uh, I much prefer collaborating with people and I've never really just had the balls to do it. It's just so frustrating. I mean, like the, the example I always give is like any sort of simple decision when you have someone else, it could just even say yes or no. And if you trust them, that's all you need. But by yourself, that could be hours of just like second guessing, you know? So I've done a bunch of side projects, uh, but I've never really had a reason to do a, a solo album. Uh, but what I'm doing is, um, sort of re-recording and re uh, redoing i think like four of the ideas like from that whole mess of of ideas like like my four favorite ones doing them properly because these were just demos you know these were just like me just writing and putting it out there now this is going to sound good be mixed well blah 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 uh and then just stuff i've been working on that no one's heard um i need to finish it by the end of this month you know and hopefully it'll be out uh either end of this year or early next year first thing next year so um right. so yeah. when you say it has to be finished by the end of this month that's the deadline you put you said or the deadline i set for myself just because i have other work to get you know right now when i'm working on this i have to kind of put my other companies on hold a little bit but like we have products that i i need to do some work on so if it's not done by the end of this month, I'm just going to be creating a whole lot of work for myself. It's in my best interest to try to <laughs> get it done, but I think it'll be fine. Did you find that uh, it was easier during this whole quarantine and COVID situation to, to work on it? No, because this has not been free time for me at all. <laughs> this has been nonstop. Uh, and I think if anything, it's been busier than I expected because I kind of thought it would be free time or I thought I'd have a lot of downtime. Yeah. I'm sure for you guys, it hasn't been downtime either. So, no. um, no. you know, demand is up. Everyone's at, everyone's at home playing music. So business is good, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to do and there's a lot of things I'm involved with. And, um, yeah, it's just about managing my time. So I need to get this done <laughs> by the end of this month so I can like get back to my other responsibilities. Well, that's awesome. That's exciting to put that out, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm and you know, I've been making music since like 
02, 03. And like, this is the, this is like the, the first time I've actually put something out official, like as a solo album. So I kind of needed an excuse and a deadline to make it happen at all, you know? Yeah. And so with the recording of it, are you, are you using real amps? Or are you using modelers? What's the uh, process? So right now I'm actually just using like software. I have a software amp with, um, with, uh, uh, JST, Joey Stur- Sturgis tones and, uh, Nolly, um, in GGD and, and X of my band, like has this really awesome, uh, neural amp. So what's great is that you can record. They're very commi- We're at this new level where like these modeling, like amps, software amps built into your computer basically are so good that they're convincing and we have um actually ggd get good drums uh our software company makes uh an ir pack that is phenomenal that nolly headed up and it was his like passion project like that was just something he was doing because he loves micing stuff up and like just experimenting he was working on it for like a year and a half these are like the best cab sims so it just makes it sound phenomenal so I'm recording into this because you end up with DIs and then as you edit them, I have like a DI that's ready to go so that when I go to reamp, it's done. So right now I'm still just recording everything, but I'm a- about to get to that phase where I'm going to get to experiment with amps and start reamping stuff. And I'm just going to go with whatever sounds better. You know, like if it sounds better reamp, we'll go with that. If it sounds better with the software amps, we'll, we'll go with that. Maybe I just won't tell anyone and we'll see if they can tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a nice trick. Uh, we've got a super chat from Music Therapy Laz. What's going on? Thank you so much. Just want to say uh, thanks for last week's show and delays and all the fabulous info. And Misha, dude, that's an awesome guitar and you rock. Oh, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Just, just paid to say a bunch of nice things. That's a win-win if you ask me. I, <laughs> I agree. Uh, James Maxwell, thanks for the super chat. Dave, when was the first time you knew you heard Real Tone live? Or is there a light bulb moment? Uh, Oh, man. Um, And my JJ arrives tomorrow. Congrats. When was the first time? You know, live, interesting. Maybe more on record than necessarily live. Um, just because you can hear things better when it's you know recorded properly in a studio and stuff, you can hear the tones. You know, it was always interesting because I grew up in a time when all these amazing guitar players and and you know what we called guitar gods existed. You know, and 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 um, you know, really amazing players that you know really pioneered modern guitar playing. You know. With, your Eddie Van Halen's and all your other amazing players. And, but, um, you know, records, I just was always enamored and like wondering how they got their tones on records. So, so, so like when you heard ACDC, you know, like, listen, to that guitar tone, what, what is that? How is, how did it get that? What, you know, especially when you're a kid, you, you don't really know, you have no idea. And, uh, and it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Use the Marshall. Okay. Well, wait, it doesn't sound like that though. Wait, which Marshall? <laughs> what was it? Oh, okay. You, you know, I was fortunate also to see a million amazing shows. Um, I went to a lot of shows when I was a kid. So this would be, you know, from 1981 through 1987, you know, when I was in, you know, high school and, and, and different things. So, I mean, went to every rock show that came through Detroit. 
where I'm from, you know, every rock show, Iron Maiden, you know, uh, uh, you know, Judas Priest, uh, you know, uh, who, had the, who had the sickest live guitar tone out of all those bands? Where who was the one that like yeah, I saw I saw Eddie Van Halen on 1984 tour Ooh. and it was opening with Unchained and it was pretty devastating and it was <laughs> and it was loud. You know, I have this thing too about today's live sound versus that era of live sound. So obviously, our technology is pushed forward, and and you know you have smaller line array PA's and all this stuff. But in reality, it doesn't sound better. In in fact, I basically think it sounds much worse. Really, than it ever did. The wow. shows that I saw when I was a kid sounded amazing, and those were old box PAs with lots of cabinets. And interesting. The difference is now you have highs and subs, and almost nothing in the middle, mm. and it doesn't sound powerful. Yeah, it doesn't even sound loud necessarily. It, it but but your ears ring after, so it's interesting. <laughs> but it you don't feel any power. Mm. So just think about this, even like anything you do, right? Say a guitar tone. If you suck all the mids out, you don't have any punch. No. It's it's just, yeah, there's high end. There's lots of sub lows, but there's it's no. It's something we're very, no, very picky about. Our live tone is very no, mid-heavy. No thump in the middle. So yeah. so in the, uh, someone put it really interesting to me, a uh, sound guy friend of mine, he goes, yeah, the old box PAs, you'd feel it right in the middle of your chest. You'd feel a thump. He goes, now you just feel the low end down at your balls. And, and he goes, and you hear this top end sizzle up here. Mm -hmm. And he goes, there's no nothing in the middle. There's nothing in your chest that's thumping. Interesting. And and it it was better. It was better. And it's the same thing with even like home audio equipment and stuff. When you I don't I don't know if you're into vinyl or anything like that. I am, but I'm not, believe it or not, I'm not an audiophile or anything like that. So I'm not yeah. that picky about it. Well, it's really sort of interesting. It's, it's when you hear, um, like even a run of the mill receiver with a run of the mill set of speakers and a turntable, it sounds significantly better <laughs> than anything you can buy now. You know, you know what's interesting though? I think, I think a little bit of what's happened is like what this was catering to. Because back in the day, pop music and rock music and all this kind of stuff, the production levels were all kind of the same, right? And like there wasn't a lot of low end, there wasn't a lot of top end if you listen to those recordings. Mm -hmm. And those, you know, maybe it was a limitation of the gear and maybe it was just like this PA works, right? right? But now, I mean, basically what these line arrays are catering to are like styles of music that are not rock and metal. I mean, it's for yeah. like electronic and pop and yeah. all this stuff where you have a ton of sub and you have a ton of top end, you know, and mixing metal and rock. It's like, you're cutting a lot of this stuff. And you, so it's like, you're almost trying to make the music work on a system that is not optimized for that right. style of music. So actually I, I'm kind of not surprised. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it actually, yeah. that kind of music, especially of that era, like sounds better on that, on that kind of equipment. Cause it was kind of made for that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but it's, it's, um, that goes with everything though. It's just like, you know, there used to be shows, you know, it's funny. I think modern day mixers tend to mix bass and drum heavy and vocal heavy. And the guitar is not in their thought process, you know? And, and, and I, I hear that when I, you know, when I would have gone to see bands and stuff and you hear it, it's just like, 
where you know realize that this is a guitar band, right? <laughs> you know, like this is actually known for guitars. Right. <laughs> Where's the guitars? You know, like yeah. where are they? You know, and it's I mean, I mean, if you have tight control about how you want your sound and everything as a band, you know, generally speaking, you you tend to get it right. But no, um, I know, I know what you're saying though, because I think like to you know, it's sort of like I'm I'm on both sides of this because on one hand, you know, I love it when I go to a show and I can hear like the guitar and I can hear the full tone, you know, sort of outside of the mix. I'm like, God, that that tone and like that's the guitar tone that'll probably go home and like chase up and like, what was he using how much is that amp you know like and like start shopping uh but like there are a lot of bands where like the whole mix itself will sound huge and it'll all be part of a thing but like as a result like guitar tone is just a part a piece of the puzzle and it's like i couldn't tell you very much about that guitar tone unless it was like some se- section where it was playing by itself or something um and that's an interesting battle like there isn't really a right or wrong answer it's sort of like what you're aiming for but yeah it's I saw I saw Van Halen um I saw Van Halen uh recently or not recently, like a few years back and that was one thing I, I took away was like the guitar tone was just unreal and I'm just gonna go on record and say I'm not a big fan of the 5153 right like I, it's an amp it's an almost there amp it's always like almost and I can't get what I want out of it by boosting it it's a, it's a weird one and I think the mid range is really notchy and strange. And it doesn't work on recording, and it sounds weird live. And it's—I uh, love the attack of it, but I've just never—I've never gotten along with that amp as as well as I feel like I should. And mm-hmm. I started shopping for that amp, knowing that I started shopping for it the next day because of how good it sounded live. <laughs> I think he was playing the Stealth. He's playing like the EL34 one, which I don't even think that that power section works for that. I think it makes it actively worse. I think that's a 6L6 amp through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was I was so blown away by the guitar tone that night that I started like looking online. But maybe maybe I was maybe my my ears were wrong and I did love the amp. <laughs> exactly. Hand. What? The hands. Yeah, no, no, I know the I hands, man. I I'll rant I mean, about I've heard all through a line six practice amp in person in in the dressing room, and you just hear it and you're like, man, that amp sounds good. Oh, wait. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I almost feel like I'm telling myself this when I'm when I go on that rant because I definitely bought a Mesa Lone Star because I saw Andy Timmons live, oh. and oh yeah, I was, Andy I was like, great. I was like, oh yeah, it's the Mesa Lone Star. It's not the Mesa Lone Star. <laughs> it's yeah. a great it's a great amp, but I still don't sound like a- Andy Timmons, and I want my money back. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, we missed this question, Modern Vintage. Thanks for sending it in again. Because uh, it was a two-part question, he uh, he said, "With with Nam being canceled, are you or Jackson doing any refreshes or updates on the Juggernauts in 2021?" And Black Invective is coming soon. Uh, uh, Black Invective. I think we need Invective's period coming soon. I think the 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 main thing is the mini head is going to be the focus, and I think that's just been a supply issue. What with the COVID and everything, it just complicates everything. When you, especially when you need parts mm. uh, shipped, you know. So, and I'm sure you guys are dealing with the same headaches there so i think it affects anyone who's dealing with sort of physical products um but yeah hopefully hopefully soon on the on the on the jackson side i mean it's a sort of uh fit i don't want to do things gratuitously uh sales have been good like surprisingly good i guess everyone is home and and just uh, it's really just more of a supply issue so 
we kind of wait for like lulls in the product cycle to to start introducing stuff, and we're not we're not quite there yet. Um, and it, we have some stuff uh, we're working on, but it probably won't be for for next year. So it probably won't be a little bit until we have some updates because the 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 lineup that we have right now is working. So just being sort of candid there, but that's 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 pretty much where we're at. Cool. Uh, Dan Morelli or Morel. Uh, sorry, thanks for the super chat. Using Headbone amp switcher with the BE100 Deluxe and a slow 100. The SLO is quiet. If the master volume gain on the BE is above two, it squeals. Randall says lift the ground on the amp. Agree? Buy a different amp switcher. It won't work right ever. So it's a long story why, but it's kind of a, a fault in that Headbone amp switcher. Mm. So which amp switcher should it get? Oh, small. Well, uh, let's see. I mean, I don't know if they're still making it or not. Well, I mean, the 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 Mesa Boogie one would work. Um, the um, there was a small one that uh, Amp Pete was making, uh, which was great. I'm not so sure she, they're still making that small one though. Um, there's, I think, another two channel one that they make that's a rack mount version. Um, anything Ampete would be great. Um, um, Palmer makes one that works. Not too many right now, actually. Those amp switchers are interesting. I mean, like I've thought about the Ampete makes that one with like I think you could plug like eight amps into it. Like, oh yeah, or or you can chain multiple units, and you, like the one we would use at Nam, we 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 were doing sixteen amps and up to 16 amps and 16 cabinets and or load boxes and or whatever Ooh, you see that's where i just need more space but like that's the fantasy is like do that well it's really great all. man because you just punch in the number you want you leave it on your your desk here like you know right, on, your, right. on, your, on your recording thing and you just like especially if you're reamping or stuff like that or Hmm. Uh, and look, someone's saying Ampy don't make the small one anymore. Well, you got to buy the the eight eight amp one then. So there you go. There's yeah. your answer. Yeah, there's there's, there's issues with the with the, the the Mesa Boogie one is the small probably the smallest one you can get that I know will work right. I know who designed it. So, mm. so we've got a few uh, comments from folks. Uh, KXM Rock Misha, big invective user. Uh, Sweet. Jake Witt, I got an Invective 120 sitting next to me and love it with the GGT. GGD Zilla Cab, yeah. That's our that's our IR software. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, GGD is the good get good drums, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Which is now not just drums, but yeah, the way these things evolve. Software coming. The D is for digital now, not just drums. Cool. Uh <laughs> No problem, Modern Avengers. Thanks for the super chat. Can Dave Mata 100 Deluxe or JJ 100 be more like a 5150? More saturation and low end. Well, the 100 Deluxe, all you got to do is put it on the saturation switch. And if you want more low end, you can turn up the resonance, the, the thump knob more. Right. Um, you can turn on the saturation switch. I mean, I, I personally here here's my thought on that. I mean personally that I like the 5150 amp uh is cool amp. Uh it has a lot of gain, a lot of noise. And the more gain stages you you add up, the less dynamic your tone becomes and the more flat it sort of becomes. <laughs> so, you know, it's just more compression and more 
And and I'm not a big fan of that. I, I want some some dynamics, you know, mm. and, and something in your thing. And I think you should use less game. And and I'm I'm also uh, gonna add to that because I I was in that uh, that crowd. I was telling you like I wanted the 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 B100 to have more low end. I I think you nailed it with the deluxe. You can have too much like and the and the 5150 can suffer from that. It, it'll, it'll be fixed a little bit if you do boost it for the precision drive. But um <laughs> like uh but yeah you can also have too you can have too much and and then especially in sort of either recording or studio or, or, or live context, it actually is bad. Like you don't want that much low end. You won't use it in the mix live. It'll just be overwhelming and boomy. Like it'll sound cool for you and it won't fit, fit in the mix. And your, your sound guys probably just going to be chopping all that off. Anyways, they, oh, they usually high pass. They, they have high pass the crap out of guitars live. Cause you want the bass to do its job, especially with these modern PAs. You could get very sort of surgical with it, with the spectrum. So you know, if you're saying like, yeah, I just want to jam at home and feel it in my chest, then yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I actually think you, I think for what it's worth, not trying to like hijack this dude's question, but I think you, you finally nailed the, the low end on that amp. I, I'd be wary of, of it having any more. Um, yeah. You, and the, and the other thing too, if you're, you know, if you're playing really quiet, you can have, you know, good amount of low end and it sounds cool because you, you know, you can get that. But as you turn that up, that's the opposite. Yep. You know, as you turn up the volume, as you have some sort of volume going, um, you know, you're going to turn that way down. You can turn it off if you want. I mean, it depends <laughs> on what your tone you're going for and what, you know, what. Um, but, yeah, I think we've gotten carried away with the low end and guitar over the years. Yeah. Um, it, it, to some extent. I mean, obviously, lower tune instruments but even lower tune instruments you don't necessarily want no that much that's, low end. that's what i was you, gonna you say tighten it the, the hell up and you want to pull the gain back and turn it up a little bit more and then you're going to get that attack and punch and you want to let the bass do its job like i when, when you know because i'll show my mixes and my projects on on uh on on twitch and stuff like that and people are always shocked at how much i'm i'm high passing my guitars because and you know and i might even take a, a, a guitar tone that sounds kind of full but sometimes i'm not even dialing it in to be that full because i'm like why am i gonna add all this low and just to take it right back out you know um yeah. and and again it's context is everything i think the one time it's cool it's like yeah you're standing in front of your amp it's sort of like medium volume you feel it in your chest cool but live context doesn't fly studio doesn't fly it's gonna get cut right out you know like so you have mm -hmm. to understand you have to sort of look like why do i want this you know yeah um and, and, and I think it's something that people get very carried away and then, you know, they'll be cranking the bass, cranking the treble, and then you have a guitar tone that you can't even hear because right. it's all in the mids anyways. Exactly. Right. It just gets buried. Yep. Um, Brent Harris, Misha, what was the inspiration behind the name Horizon Devices? And the second question, if you could only use one pedal, what would it be? Uh, man, I don't even remember. Just, I think it just sounded cool. <laughs> Horizon Devices. Yeah, it's like space age of futuristic who knows um and uh if i could use one pedal uh actually our apex preamp which is basically my sound in a box i think a lot of people don't understand that like when you went on the horizon devices site it was that first thing that pulled up um and because i tend to sort of like boost my my sounds and and this is a big thing with people who tune down um you know you're 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 hitting the front end of the amp with uh generally relatively thick strings and they're 
the tonal centers and the frequencies are a lot lower. And most of these amps are sort of dialed in for what most people are going to be hitting it, which is, you know, uh, E standard or drop D 10 to 46. And that sits in a much higher range. So you sort of overwhelm the front end. And that's how you get that really woofy sort of like palmies where it's like, rather than like, you know, um and uh so that's what the precision drive does and we've basically got that circuit built into the front end of like a a high gain circuit that i like so the idea with this pedal is that you could get that sound in a pedal there's not really another pedal i know that does that you know like you could get that if you put a boost in front of it much like you would in an amp but this pedal just you all you need is a clean channel and i run it i have a i have a stereo amp set up in in the living room just two clean platform amps and that's what i use for the gain and it's just off it just sounds like clean on it sounds like my high gain live tone or recorded tone it's crazy it's got super powerful noise gate built into it it's even got a cab sim built in in case you want to uh record um though between you and i don't think the cab sims that good i'd rather just use the ggd zilla uh irs but um yeah like uh that that thing that thing's a one-stop shop uh and uh when I do um, uh, clinic runs, I'll either I'll, I'll usually take that and precision drive. If they have like a high gain amp, I'll use the precision drive and tighten it up. But sometimes they just don't have any high gain amp that sounds good. I could just run into a clean channel. I could run into any clean amp, run the Apex preamp, and bam, that's my sound done. Travel light. So that's probably the one pedal I would take. Cool. Cool. Perfect. Awesome. Um, let's see. Uh fooling around with my synergy amp while watching i just dial in a tone i've been chasing for years with the bb be and my gnl asap sweet cool synergy is awesome yeah i was playing around with the synergy stuff and i, I was kind of blown away it's really yeah, there's cool some stuff. some really cool modules yeah I, i've got the um the synergy head right here oh nice nice yeah, it holds two modules at a time. And it's got power amp as well. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. It's great. Yeah, it's 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 different than running. Uh, I've got the Sin One, and I run that into like a Fryat power station. Right, right, right. And it's a little different. The power section is different on the head. I would say a lot of people don't realize how much the power section will. Power section output transformer like will really influence like the sound and the feel of the amp like massively and like people like obsess over whether they're like v1 preamp tube is a new old stock you know telefunken or whatever i'm like yeah man, there's like a million other things that you could change at way less cost or like just that that fundamentally change the sound way more than this <laughs> this one thing that you're overpaying for but you know i guess tubes are sexy exactly exactly um dave i know you gotta run soon um yeah i have to run pretty much now oh, okay let's see our okay and, uh, this is the I problem is if you get me talking about gear i won't no, shut that's up. Fine. so you, you have to you, you have to tell here, me to shut up <laughs> here's here's what we do generally when we when we run out of time or something we wind up having the guest again okay <laughs> so, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll this, is, this has been an absolute blast uh, i'm in good company and i get to talk about gear so i will never complain yeah you oh, love it um and Cecil Music, I, I don't know where Fortin amps are made. Are, do, Dave, do you know? Canada or the UK? Uh, depends. Depends. It's switching around, so. Mm. 
Uh, I don't want to answer. Okay. <laughs> I know why you don't want to answer. Okay, I'm, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> 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 we don't need to go there. That's cool. Uh, let's see. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Misha. I really do. Yeah, let's have you back sometime. Absolutely. There's more we didn't get into and, and stuff, and I'm sure we can talk for another few hours. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be more than happy. Just let me know when you want to do it. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, oh yeah, it's yeah. been great. Thank you for coming on. Um, we've uh, make sure you guys check out Sweetwater. Like I said, all right. Um, there are sponsors. Go, for go buy a seven string of Jackson. Exactly. Yeah, go buy, <laughs> go buy mine. Exactly. Um, and make sure you hit the bell and subscribe to the channel. Really appreciate that. Um, and our next guest is, and then we'll go, Dave, because I know you got to run. Uh, Rusty Anderson, next Saturday on my birthday, September 26th. So I'm looking forward to talking to Rusty. And, uh, and that's it. So, Misha, really appreciate it. Hope you have a great weekend. And, uh, you guys as well. I'm sure, we'll talk soon. Hey, hang on. And, um, of course. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you. All right. Thanks for watching, guys.